0: So, Joe, would you like tell me how uh, how your life has changed since uh, going on the or being being part of the RVC Clinical Podcast and actually being mentioned on the uh, Simon Mayo and Mark Commode, uh film review show?
1: Yeah, well, other than being uh, hassled everywhere I go on the streets, it's not changed too much. Fair enough, fair enough. It was it was a nice comment, but I, I think
0: I've had it had even Shay Bryan like what that what that was and uh, and obviously what it means. But maybe uh, uh, a up to all those people who. Uh, who actually uh, listen to, to both shows? That's, uh, that's yes. probably pretty good. I think there's two of them that I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe even three. Yeah, yeah. Three or four. Anyway, g'day. Dominic Barfield here, and this is the RVC Clinical Podcast. Thank you for listening, and please don't forget to hit that subscribe button um, on your generic fruit based device. And we would be really grateful um, if you could actually go to the Apple Podcast Store. And uh, give us a, a ratings on on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts, or that would be great. A five star review would be um, the the best that you can. Uh, um, obviously, that would be that would be really good for all the metrics um, that we need. That uh, that none of us in the in the room sort of understand how they work, but at least there's analytics uh, and people that deal with that that actually make this program be able to be listened by the people that actually want to listen to it. So if you could go to uh, the Apple Podcast store and give us a review, that would be great. So today, in that little intro, we were going to speak again to Dr. Joe Venn. So uh, Joe is one of our lecturers here in neurology and neurosurgery, and we thought we'd uh, we'd talk today about levatorus So hello, Joe. Hello. And we should say hello to Jason Isaacs. Yes, we should. So with uh, levatorus I'm sure it's been it's been around for for a while, hasn't it? Too, we'll probably. Eight, nine years in, in the veterinary field, would that be roughly right?
1: Yeah, maybe a little bit longer in the human field, but not too much.
0: Okay. And um, and so I suppose to people that maybe have never heard of it before, so I suppose, like, what, what could we do basically start with? What What is it?
1: Yeah, so um is quite a uh, useful and interesting anti-convulsant medication, basically. And uh, as you say, it's been around for a bit of time now, but still relatively new by the standards of anti that we use. Um, was a first approved around the year sort of 2000 for use in human medicine for treating focal onset seizures. And uh, it's quite an interesting anticonvulsant for us because it has quite a novel mechanism of action and that allows us to be um, able to be used in certain situations that's really beneficial for us. That's really good. So, how does it actually work? I know that all anti antiepileptic drugs have uh, sort of different,
0: slight different modes of action, but but how does uh, levetrasam work? R- briefly. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's um it's quite an interesting one because most of our anticonvulsants that we do use uh, tend to act by increasing the activity of GABA in the CNS, and uh, I guess phenobarbitone, bromide being the typical examples, but levetrasam actually acts by preventing the of synaptic vesicles on the presynaptic terminal of neurons in the CNS, and it's it's anti-convulsant activity. As far as we can see, um, it's a bit difficult to fully understand how it works, but that's the main effect that we think. Um, happens.
0: And is it metabolised in a similar way than the other um, anti-relective drugs, anticonvulsants?
1: No, so that's uh, another useful and interesting thing with levetiracetam is that it's actually predominantly cleared renally um uh, probably about half of it is broken down in the bloodstream first Um about half of it's probably excreted unchanged um, but excreted renally so it actually undergoes none of the hepatic metabolism that can be a bit of a problem with some of the more common anticonvulsants, particularly phenobarb. And so it's actually a pretty safe drug to use in terms of its metabolism. And so, yeah, very safe for animals that have liver disease, for example. But because it is, it's greeted renally, then we do have to take that into consideration if we have an animal with kidney disease, for example.
0: Absolutely, and I know there's uh, there's different formulations of it. So there's intravenous formulation and, a, and an oral formulation, um, and uh, so how how would we or how do you think that it should be used appropriately in, in really the management of the um, acutely seizureing patients?
1: Yeah, so the fact that we have an intravenous uh, formulation of it does make it very useful for that acute seizureing um, indication. So when we're in the emergency room, it's nice to know that we've got another intravenous anticonvulsant that we can give because I guess obviously as we know that our first line um, medication to try and stop a seizure is going to be our intravenous benzodiazepines so diazepam or midazolam for example and then we know that we've got IV phenobarb in most situations available to us to get a maintenance anticonvulsant in there but obviously some situations we can come into where neither of those are doing the job that we want them to or we've got a contraindication, for example, to give in venobarb or the benzodiazepines. So it's good that we have another intravenous medication that we can use in those situations. And obviously, it's also quite helpful that levatoacetam has such a quick onset of action and uh, rapid metabolism that we can use it in those acute scenarios as well.
0: So so is there any way that you think it's more appropriate to maybe jump the the gun so as in if you have your acute seizure management so whether diazepam or midazolam and then and then think about like iv phenobarbital so if you thought that maybe it's a seizure that's been brought about by say maybe a toxin mm-hmm. would you would you would you think that levetiracetam might have a be pushed up higher like rather than give phenobarbital or do you think that there's there's no real evidence to say that's beneficial or or or, or not
1: yeah, I think I think that's actually a really good idea, a really good indication for using levetiracetam because we know it does seem to be pretty effective at treating acute seizures. And uh, it's definitely been shown to significantly reduce the amount of benzodiazepines that you need to treat an acutely clustering or status epilepticus case. And so it can definitely be beneficial in those cases where we don't necessarily think we're going to need to be on longer term anticonvulsants maintenance drugs such as phenobarb. And that may be the case in a lot of toxin exposures that are just experiencing seizures during that acute period Um, because we know a lot of those dogs or cats don't go on to have a long-term epilepsy afterwards. So it's quite nice to have something that we can give with a very quick onset of action, an IV medication, that will then be metabolized very quickly and we can always stop in the short to medium term as well.
0: And I suppose that like with that as well, the, the, the side effects I you don't have because of the probably the effects of this mechanism of action, you don't have the the same um, CNS depressive effects as you do with, with say, phenobarbital. So so are there any particular side effects that are of a concern with, with So
1: That's another really great thing about levetiracetam as well is that side effect profile is is really great and uh, we tend to only really see relatively mild sedation and mild ataxia. I guess they're the main side effects that we're concerned about with levotoracetam. So it is useful in that sense because we know that when we load an animal up with phenobarb we are going to be um, depressing their CNS function quite significantly sometimes and a lot of the time that is just something that we we have to accept. I don't think we should be Too concerned about that in most situations because the most important thing is that we're controlling the seizures and we know that side effects are going to come with that. We know that sedation is going to come with that. Even with a loading dose of Lev, we're going to expect some kind of sedation ataxia. But it's nice to have a drug that we know maybe doesn't hit them quite so hard so we can assess them afterwards.
0: I suppose that's the thing. Some of your your colleagues have definitely said to me that his. I suppose you've gone from uh, very much like giving phenobarbital and, and loading that, but but definitely it, it you know affects their uh, level of consciousness, and it can be for, for for quite you know we're talking about days, aren't we, rather than just uh, a short period of time. But obviously, yeah. if you need the drug, you need the drug, and there's no doubt. Yeah. And if you don't have anything else, then don't go looking for it. But uh, yeah. but maybe it does have a little um, a, you know a, a little benefit in 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 there.
1: Yeah, it's nice to have that extra option. So you, so
0: you, um. Can you can you use it just by itself?
1: So I guess in terms of treating acute seizures, then it's certainly a possibility. Um, we would be always wanting to give a benzodiazepine as our first line treatment for a status epilepticus patient in the immediate term. But often we might follow that with lev. In those situations that we discussed, um, without adding in a different maintenance anticonvulsant. I guess when we're talking about ongoing treatment and maintenance therapy for epileptic animals. LEV also does have a role to play there, but typically not as a monotherapy use on its own in the long term, mainly because we're not so sure about its ability to continue to treat seizures. Once we go beyond sort of six months or so, we have some concern about this reported honeymoon effect that might occur after treating with levetiracetam on its own. And um, for several months, for example, it may be that they start to become refractory and uh, less responsive to treatment. So most often, if we're using LEV, it is as an adjunct to phenobarb or bromide. The evidence base for it as a monotherapy is slightly thinner on the ground. Is is that,
0: do you think, because of the, the way it works that it's differently, that the body can either um, work on those um, synaptic receptors to either break it
1: down more or...? It's possible. I guess um, we know a little bit more about the activity and function of the anticonvulsants that we use more frequently, like phenobar bromide, and the mepitoin. We know they all work in that same way of decreasing GABA, and that seems to be quite an effective um, mechanism. LEV probably has some mechanisms of action that we're not quite sure about, that we haven't really identified, and it probably does. It might have some degree of neuroprotective effect as well, so it definitely has many um, potentially important roles for us to play. But it does look like, in, uh, in veterinary medicine anyway, that use as a monotherapy, it doesn't seem to have shown so much benefit, uh, but definitely as an adjunct.
0: And so when you talk about an adjunct, you sort of touched about it uh, a bit briefly, but when, when, would you, when would you bring this into play with a, with a dog that is on, or that is on um, a number of medications? So when do, when do you think it's
1: worth using? Yeah, so we tend to have a couple of scenarios where we use LEV most. Sometimes we might have an animal that's on, say, two or three frontline anticonvulsant medications. That might be a combination of phenobarb bromide and the mepatoin potentially could be on all three of those or maybe two of those and then looking for a third line treatment and uh, we can definitely add levetiracetam in those situations we know there's evidence to say that if you do that we will get most cases a reduction in their seizure frequency which is beneficial uh, but obviously yeah like I said we have this concern that if we use lev ongoing for say a period of six months or so there is a concern that we might get this effect that it starts to be that the seizures become refractory again so what we've started to do in recent years is to use it in this pulsatile manner so we talk about pulse therapy with levetiracetam, and that's particularly useful because levetiracetam is able to work really quickly and be metabolized very quickly so often if we have epileptic cases that have cluster seizures and they have a predisposition to having lots of seizures within a period of 24 hours what we might do is we say to that owner that if they have a store of levetiracetam for a few days at home, if their animal has one seizure and we know they're at risk of then going on and having multiple in that 24-hour period, would we'll tell them to start levetiracetam, which reaches a high level very quickly, able to protect them from having a cluster during that few days, and then they can stop it again whilst just carrying on with the maintenance treatments. And that tends to be quite effective.
0: And uh, so, is that feedback? Is, is that from your instructions to people, to sort of over over your experience with the drug that they do that, and it and it seems to have an effect, as in the clients happy and the dogs dogs happy. And and during that time, do you uh, do you think about like monitoring the levels of the other anti drugs that they're on, like if they are if they do have these breakout clusters, or, or do you or do you just let them give a bit of levotrasam for for a while and then go back to to normal, or so does it, it depend?
1: Yeah, it very much depends on the case, because I guess that there are some animals that we know that they just have a a tendency to cluster. Part of their epilepsy phenotype, that they have cluster seizures quite frequently, and there are cases where we often use pulse therapy. I guess it is also always important to consider their anticonvulsant serum levels in any patient where we have a change in frequency. So if it is an animal that we're not usually expecting them to have a cluster of seizures, then they would be ones where we'd want to reevaluate their serum level, particularly if they do start to develop cluster seizures, because it may be more simple that they're just not getting enough of a certain medication or they've missed doses, so it'd be important to check it in those situations. But there are some animals that are just going to cluster, and therefore it's nice to have this sort of treatment up our sleeves that we can give as a pulse, acts very quickly, metabolise quickly, very safe, relatively minimal side effects. That can work for those couple of days to get them through that cluster period
0: that's excellent and um how, how about its use in in cats is there is there a lot written about uh, about that or a lot of, of of your experience with with its use in cats
1: i guess more and more um originally we were using levitroacetam mainly in dogs and we know it's uh, not a licensed treatment i guess it's something we should say in either dogs or cats but definitely something that we can reach for under the cascade if we're having trouble controlling seizures with our first two medications or if we can justify it um, on other means. But um, I guess that, yeah, with cats, we have started to see its use increase. And there seem to be a couple of particular conditions where we find it useful. And uh, the main one really being that um, there is a recently diagnosed condition called feline audiogenic reflex seizures, where there's some research out there that suggests that levetiracetam actually has a monotherapy in these cats seems to be quite effective and we think that that might be because those seizures are of a particular type which we call myoclonic seizures and uh, we know that from human medicine that levetiracetam seems to be particularly effective at treating myoclonic seizures so it could be that there's a particular condition in cats for which levotiracetam is actually the most effective treatment.
0: And uh, and do they have the problem with honeymoon period when um, it's being used for for, for those uh, those seizures?
1: I don't think we really have the data out there to to say that yet. Um, I guess it is one concern that that might happen. Uh, but the the whole honeymoon period thing is is uh, I guess it's a relatively small cohort of dogs that we know that that happens in any way um, and some experimental data to say that that might happen Um, but in cats I guess we don't know for sure and it probably need a little bit more follow-up on those cases in which it's used long term to know whether that's going to happen.
0: And as far as the, I'm not going to talk about uh, doses, uh, I'm not sure that's necessarily appropriate, but, but as far as uh, um, you have an IV formulation, and oral formulation, but the oral formulation has been used like pharmacologically to administer per rectum in dogs, and it's had a, a, a good results with that. Does the same um, information exist for, for, for cats as well? or, or
1: As far as I'm not? aware, no, but yeah. I would have thought we can infer pretty okay. similar data from dogs. Yeah,
0: so I mean that, that it makes it actually quite a versatile drug to to use, and probably something that's worthwhile to to have on your on your shelf for certain situations. I think it's definitely an adjunct, and uh, and has you know much less uh, uh, effects, that I suppose, to see like, clinically compared to the said effects of. Uh, Fenobarbital, um, maybe potassium bromide and okay. anyone who's tried to load a dog yeah. with potassium bromide knows it's quite ridiculous yeah in, uh, yeah.
1: In <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely the, the and I guess thing. that you know it's important we don't think of it as being an absolute miracle cure of anticonvulsants it does have some downsides in the sense that we, we know that its evidence based in terms of efficacy of treating seizures is not as good as, say, phenobar bromide or a Um but uh, it does have its use in those particular cases. We know as well it's got some issues in the sense of because its half life is so short, it does need to be dosed three times a day if we're given it orally in most situations. And that can be difficult for a lot of owners. So I guess that there are going to be some owners that find three times a day dosing is going to be a challenge. And for those guys, it might not be so suitable. And there are some extended release formulations available in the States, which we don't have so much access to over here. And there's been some research to suggest that the extended release formulations are effective at maintaining a level long enough um, to give twice a day dosing. Uh, but typically over here we are restricted to three times a day dosing with levetiracetam, which isn't the same for other anticonvulsants so that can be a bit of a limitation as well yeah absolutely also speak, quite expensive
0: yeah i think that that is a good point i mean that's uh why i think i remember initially um we didn't really use a lot of the iv formulation because of that because of that expense either um to to uh to to give a dog uh, levotiracetime the oral formulation rectally is actually quite cost effective and to get the result that you that you want so cost does does factor in with these uh um these other drugs we forget how yeah. good and uh relatively inexpensive phenobarbitone is for, yeah. for for what it does but then again it's been around for over 100
1: years so absolutely you know. and yeah we're not we're not trying to suggest that we should be replacing all our phenobarb with lev.
0: No, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Do you think there's uh there's anything else that people should know about if they haven't uh, thought about levetiracetam sort of before or
1: don't think so. I think we've covered it pretty thoroughly there. But yeah. I guess it's yeah, it's, it's knowing the specific indications in which it's particularly useful like that situation of cluster seizures animals where we know they have cluster seizures frequently. Bearing in mind that it is uh, a possible option to use it just as a pulse therapy, which does help with the cost aspect as well. So if an animal's just having a, a store of levetiracetam to use for a few days when they have a seizure to try and stop it becoming a cluster, then that's not gonna be quite as expensive as using it ongoing. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I think we'll uh, wrap it up uh, there. So
0: ma- many thanks for your time today, Joe, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your generic fruit-based device. Um, and that way you don't even have to worry about missing an episode of the of the podcast. So it'd be great if you could leave us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast Store. Um, that would be really great. So don't forget to tell your friends, uh, hopefully just the vet friends, but others it doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're open for other people to, uh, to, to listen to uh, uh, this. Uh, Could we call it vetertainment. Probably not. That's probably a bit cheeky. Um, So we'll we'll play some show notes in the RVC pages. So if you just type in the RVC clinical podcast into your search engine, we should be top of the tree. Um, So if you have any comments or suggestions of this podcast, please get in touch. So you can either email me um, at uh, dbarfield at rvc.ac.uk or uh, tweet me at Don Barfield. I suppose there's, there's one other thing, uh, considering uh, Joe's, Joe's back and our, our newfound uh, fame on, uh, um, on the uh, Simon Mayo and Mark Moe chair, is to, to ask for um, the, the DVD of the week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you even did the laugh.
0: So, uh, so, Joe, what what, what is our uh, DVD of the week? Well, I think
1: I'm going to go with a uh, f- new French film that's been released on DVD uh, called Raw. Um, yet to check it out myself, so that's why I'm going to go with that.
0: Well, I tell you what, Joe, why don't we uh, why don't we watch that and uh, and then we'll get you back on the podcast and we'll uh, talk about something else to do we'll, with. We'll dissect the, it. We'll, <laughs> we'll dissect it indeed, and uh, um, and we'll uh, and we'll give you a review of that at the end of the show. Sounds good. Thank you very much for your time again. Thank you, Donk. Uh, Indeed.